Founders face mentors and masters. I'm Captain Hoff, CEO of Founderspace, the leading global startup accelerator. I'm also author of the award-winning books, Make Elephants Fly, Surviving a Startup, and The Five Horses. I am here today with a special guest, Brent Keltner. He is author of the Revenue Acceleration Playbook. Brent, welcome to Founder Space Podcast. Hey, Steve. Thrilled to be here today. It's been long in coming, and I'm really looking forward to the conversation. Yeah, and I have to let you all know that Brent and I go way back. We go way, way back. <laughs> you know, Brent is a good friend. We were in high school together. He's, uh, he's one of the smartest guys I know and most driven guys I know. We were on the wrestling team together and he pummeled me because he's a much stronger guy and a better wrestler. So it's payback. It's the first year you remember the first year you just get your butt kicked. Yeah, but you were doing the butt kicking and I was getting the butt kicked. So that's the difference. But it was an amazing experience. We've kept in touch over the years. Brent is has runs an amazing business helping uh, businesses out, and he's going to tell you a little about this. So, Brent, let's talk about your book. Let's start with your book. Yeah, great. What, tell us, summarize your book and and what your mission is. Yeah, the mission is is to let salespeople, but go to market teams, do better, win faster, right? Close more deals and have a lot more fun doing it very simple technique, which is we've all grown up talking about our products. We position our product on a website. We talk about our product. We pitch our product. We know our product's a pitch deck. Just I know. Like when, when anybody goes out for sales, they make their PowerPoint. It's all about the product. It's all about the product. We talk about having authentic conversations, which is just anchored on the buyer's why. Why did they show up for the call? If you get something they're working on, you know, tell me more about what you tried, what's working, what's not working. We say the purpose of discovery is getting to a buyer success statement or a customer success statement if you're thinking about a new area. So just shifting our mindset that it's not about our product, our successes, our company. It's about my buyer, the problems they're trying to solve, how we can help them have a more successful future just makes selling a lot easier. That makes sense because, you know, a lot of us focus on what we're doing and we're passionate about the product. We know all the features. We want to dive into them and show them all these great features, but they might not care. Like the customer, like, like you could spend 20 minutes or 30 minutes on your PowerPoint and they're like glazing over. You're not hitting any of their pain points or anything. So how, give us an example of like how you would go, how you would prepare uh, to really pitch a customer using your strategy and, and walk us through that. Yeah. And so just to pick up on one thing you said, we always talk about buyer goals first, product second. It's not your product and your great product and all. It's, it's not that it doesn't matter, but it only matters to a buyer when it's pointed at something they care about. And so just starting that way, and I'll give you an example of uh, Kirk Delario, who is the co-founder of Mainstay. And when I started working with them, they had 10 clients, much like um, you know many of your early stage kind of growth entrepreneurs um, and they had a transformational AI product to help colleges and universities with 
uh, yielding students because they could personalize engagement at scale, send them exactly the right messages and resources. So they're more engaged, more of them come. They stay through the summer, less summer melt and more retention. But they would show up and just talk about how wow uh, their AI was and how many points of connection it could create and how powerful the knowledge base was behind it and how, you know, how they could scale and people's eyes would glaze over. And so then they just found Kirk would say he was a first generation student, very passionate about letting other first generation students, diverse students, get helping them get into college. And he just said, you know, and so we, we couldn't change the world until we stopped talking about our product and started understanding why our buyer was on the call. So they would just do a little bit of research on what were they working on on yield and their data sets in higher ed. Are, how are you benchmarking and what is their strategic plan? 15 minutes before a call and then just invite a conversation first on these are the things we help colleges and universities on. Are you working on any of those? That's, that's really important. And I think we, I want to say something to clarify this. A lot of us go, you know, we get used to selling and we start to think all our customers are the same. They all need the same thing. So we know what they need. But what you're saying is you don't know. They're not all the same. Everybody has different problems or different ways of even viewing the same problem. And so take the time to figure out who get inside your customer's head, basically figure out what, you know, what's driving them nuts, because you may have 10 different features in your product, but there's one that really will nail it. And if you're just kind of glossing over all 10, you're not going to really hit it for them. Yeah, and 100% well said. There's another thing, right, that is honestly, when you just hear somebody and, and, and repeat back what they said, when you demonstrate active listening skills, you build trust. People want to spend more time with you. So now to stay with Kirk, I mean, when they would just show up and say to Georgia State, hey, I understand that you're really looking at trying to recruit more diverse students and helping them with first year retention. And then the VP of sales will say, yeah, that, that's a big pain point for us for X, Y, and Z reason. Now, when you talk about your product, hey, I, I understand that that, you know, first generation students from diverse backgrounds is a priority. This is what happens when you can personalize at scale with them. So I'm in just your, playing back your words, right? right. Yes. But exactly. you're going to be a lot more engaged when I just listen and play back your words about why you're here today. Yes. And the fact that you let me talk first is a huge psychological win for selling, right? Because most people end up selling themselves. It's not somebody else who's selling them. So we, we make that mistake, like you're going to sell your customer. Really, you sell your customer by allowing your by understanding your customer's needs and allowing them uh, to see the solution in what you have. 100%. And so one very simple strategy for your audience to know if you're moving in this direction is how often do you early on in the call say, I hear you say, I understand you are, I understand what your priorities are, right? It's just a very simple recap technique. If you, when you talk about your product, if you can't say, I hear, I heard you say, I heard you say, or I understand this is a priority. So I'm sharing that your product pitching. Yeah. So you can't you, recap your product pitching. So what does your PowerPoint look like when you, or do you just not even use a PowerPoint when you go into sell? I use a PowerPoint in a second call. 
Ah. In a first call, usually just use guided questioning and then we'll talk back about our product and then see if there's alignment. In a second call, and it's a great question, I was just on with a team today. Uh, we always, this is the order we encourage PowerPoint is introductions first, because often people will do their agenda slide and then introductions and they forget to do the agenda. So introductions, let's all get to know each other. Let other people introduce themselves. Your introduction should include your elevator pitch, your 60 second commercial about what's unique about Winalytics, what's unique about uh, Mainstay, right? What is our brand promise? Then let's go to the agenda. Hey, I just shared our, what the things we help colleges and universities, in our case, what we help go to market teams. Now I wanna spend a little bit more time just understanding your priorities I, and, and pain points, then I can share more on our approach. And we're looking here to see if we have a fit today. Are there things we can help you achieve? And what would we do about it next? That's so cool. introductions, you know, quick kind of overview about us based on the introductions, quick agenda slide on what we're trying to accomplish. Now, what when you first engage on that first Zoom call or in-person meeting with a potential customer, how do you open it up and what are the key questions you ask to kind of get and that get the best response that give you the most information about what's in that customer's head? Yeah. So I, I eating our own dog food, I usually just do 15 minutes and I commit to that. We, you, we're, we're busy and you're not going to do two hours of research and have a productive sales pipeline, but I'll do 15 minutes of research and I'll just look at their website right? And what are they, how good are they at showing their use cases and how they drive outcomes for their buyers? What industry are they in that we work with? So what might I hypothesize that they're working on about either, you know, trying to engage new buyers, so new opportunities, closing more of their deals, sales acceleration, installs is a big problem, uh, land and expand. How do we use our account motion? And I will introduce us and, you know, Winalytics is kind of, we help teams shift from product driven to more holistic go-to-market strategies that anchor on value and build a more seamless buyer and customer journey. With companies like you, often we see these are two or three things they're working on. You know, are you working on any of those? If not, are there other things that got you to take the call today? Okay, right. And that's an, that's an important one. What, what, why did you take this call? Like, why did you take the call? Right. What's in your head? So um, now let's move forward. So you've done the first two meetings with a customer. What comes next? What's your strategy? Uh, so for us, and we encourage us in any discovery call, you got to get a champion, right? Mm. We sell the people, somebody on their side has to, we don't close anything. The buyers on that side, we have to guide them to a close. So we got to get a champion. You don't go to a stakeholder group until you have a champion that can tell you how you can make them more successful. Now you got to get that stakeholder group. Everybody's selling to six to eight people. Uh, who else, Mr. or Mrs. Champion, was just on a call with a company in the industrial automation space. Okay, so it's the she's the COO, VP of marketing, key engagement, CEO is going to have to sign off. All right, how do I get that group lined up? So now I got to get a stakeholder lined up. And to your point, you've done a couple of calls for us. We talk about a key thing people often miss is, okay, sounds like we have alignment around these use cases. What's our path to partnership? What are the steps we have to go through on, okay, 
you we're lined up with COO, VP of marketing. What do we have to do? What's the business case for the CEO? What's your procurement process look like? In some cases, does IT have to get involved? How does legal treat these? Like you have a sole source process, there are RFP. So literally we say build a slide at the end of your stakeholder deck that just shows what are our next steps and who do we have to involve on your side? Because often we get to good engagement and then there are four other steps that become frictional and we've never asked about them. Mm. So before you send a proposal, kind of agree on the steps to a close and your proposal becomes part of that closing process. Uh, that's great. So yeah, so you, you with them are mapping out the steps and then you're putting that back in the proposal and getting their buy-off on that. Exactly. Sales process has failed because it talks about what sellers do. You need a mutual process. If you haven't externalized to your buyer the next steps, you're like trying to wrestle with an arm tied behind your back. <laughs> we know about that. We know about that. <laughs> We've been on the wrestling team. You can't really do that. <laughs> so every step, right? It's, I got to get buy-in. What do I do next? What do you do next? And we have to agree. It's a mutual process. Otherwise, our deal stall. So are there certain techniques you use when it comes right up to the close? To get them to commit. Like you do a lot of sales into big strategic organizations. They can be quite difficult. You might not, you know, they can be quite slow. So if things slow down or if they stall out, what do you do? Yeah, well, so slow down and stall out are slightly different. Um, but if we take the different scenarios, how do you get urgency in the close? I always think about a work back plan right? Um, which is to say, you know, what date do you want to be start? I'm going to recap their value. What date do you want to be started on to make sure you're securing new opportunities or closing deals at a higher velocity? Uh, and I want to pin a date, right? Ballpark within a oh, couple yeah. of weeks or a start of a date. And then it's what do we have to do to go back? So that's one scenario, how to build velocity to the close. The other scenario is it's slowing down, right? Or kind of stalling. Usually there you need to just reconfirm value. I mean, I just sent an email last night and I, I think this deal is going to die where we don't have budget approval from the SVP. It's one of his VPs that would have to be the champion. And I just sent him an email and I said, you know, we talked about getting together to build a proposal in an ROI case. Does that still make sense to you? Yes. And my guess is he's not going to respond, but I I need him to say, yes, I still see that value to spend a lot more time on it. Yes. Because if you're not, if you're not getting that confirmation, you're wasting your time. If you're not a lot getting of that people, for, for whatever reason, they just, you know, they were never serious in the first place. The, another thing takes priority and you can't, you don't have visibility into that unless you ask. hundred percent. You got to ask directly and transparently. And so this is, we say, use the last 10 minutes of every call on exactly this. Like, mm. this is what I see as the fit. Do you see that? And then what do you need to do about it next? What do I need to do about it? Get those commitments in real time with a person in front of you and get a next calendar date pinned. To the yeah, calendar. and when you say pin that date, do you, aggressive, do you pin aggressive dates on your end or do you have them set the date? I, I don't, I mean, th we, we're going to work to their calendar. Yes. But I'm not going to get off the phone until we have an agreed on calendar date. Okay. So you and want to just, this, what if the date it, is, what if the date is way off and, you know, it seems really like it, it's way too far away. What do you do then? 
Um, I, I would still uh, put a, I would still pin a calendar date. There's an example of a, uh, Ellen, a learning and development company. They sell into series six, series seven into corporations. Um, and, you know, we, I, I know the guys interested on the right time. I mean, we have been kicking this out, right? 60 days at a time. And just because he hasn't got his budget, he's got budget. He hasn't got the use case lineup. And I just say to him every you know time, I'm like, do you, are you still interested in investing in a, training and coaching service like ours around revenue leadership. So I think it's okay, but if things are stalling, you got to get come back and confirm they still see the value and give them an option to say no. And as soon as they say no, flush it and move on. Yeah, that's a really good advice. One of my best sales mentors that I ever had, had a phrase and he said, push for a no. Like, you know, if you're not getting a yes to, and you're asking these questions, then you know, push them to give you a no, because like you said, you can move on. Like there, a lot of people don't want to give a no. They're sort of passive aggressive. They, they've decided they don't want to do it yet. They just want to hang in this limbo area, which is and, and it's immensely a, a, frustrating. It's immensely frustrating. And a version of what you just said, I like push for a no is second best answer is no. It is. Because you can move on. Yeah, anything in between doesn't help you at all. No, <laughs> just, you're you're expending time and energy on something that that probably doesn't exist. Yep. So, uh, can you give um, you know in your in the revenue acceleration playbook, which every entrepreneur listening should be reading because yep. we all need to accelerate revenue? Can you give a few more tips that entrepreneurs can walk away with and that will light up their mind? Yeah, I mean, one, uh, if you don't know your customer stories, you should. Because what, what a lot of folks don't do, they have satisfied customers and they never ask them why. What did I change for you? And when you start selling your customer stories and your customers as heroes, right, you get a lot better idea of how to sell more. Because mm. you're going to go find people with that problem that look like that customer. So you're going to, so to get these stories, you ask your customer, uh, how do you get the, how do you get them to tell yeah, you? Yeah. So we say, you know, give a three-part outreach, right? Which is just, Hey, you know, we've had success together. It's been great working with you. Would love to capture more. What's, what's worked, you know, what really has gotten you to lean in, but also to hear anything that's not working. So let them know it's going to be a rah-rah session. It's like, you really want to, get better at your relationship. So, hey, would love to just check in on how things are going, what's really working for you, what's not working for you, or anything we could improve, right? Best way to ask that, could we just schedule 15, 20 minutes of time to hear more about that, 30 minutes, whatever. And do you so record th these? Do you record them on video? 100%, yeah, I mean, you ask for permission, you record them, because now you're gonna get their language so you want to then be true. That's what you're going to go through. Hey, tell me how things are going for some prompted questions. You might want to probe on what's working or what's not working. What, what's the thing that's been most valuable to you around that second question? would love to hear that in your own words. Anything we could improve on. But I want people not add a fourth thing, which is if those first two go well is, and are there any peers or people in your network that might you know, similarly get a similar kind of value? Mm. So yeah. it's an opportunity for customer service, capturing your testimonials, but also getting some references. Yeah. And I find getting the references after you've done a really good job 
is the best time, like right at the end and not to wait too long because people forget, you know, when they have that really good feeling, that's the time to get the references. hundred percent. So know your customer stories, use it as a way of deepening your relationship with that customer, finding new people like them and getting direct references. Yeah. And if you have those videos, I'm sure you get, do you get permission from them to share those videos with other potential customers? Yeah. I mean, that's something we started probably a year ago. We call them plays in practice and, you know, we'll take a two minute snippet and then we put it on our website or we email it to other people. Not, not everybody's comfortable doing it, but the ones who are, it's just awesome. Right. Right. Because a lot of people want, you know, they're, they're, they're on the fence. They don't know. They're trying to choose between you and somebody else. And if you can just send them some, a few clips, you know, a few two minute clips of people just like them who used your service and are, are talking about what it exactly what it did for them. Super powerful for closing. Yep. Yeah. 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 Um, so that's one is know your customer stories, but the two, I just want to shift a, a mindset shift. And we were just on coaching a guy today. He had an outreach. It was an expansion outreach email to a new business unit. And it really was about uh, the product and the product and what the product did. Uh, and what we said is, Hey, you just told a really great story about an internal champion that is getting a lot of value. And this is what they said. And you also know a couple of peers that are like them. What about writing an email that's like, hey, I've had success with Bob Jones. This is what, how he described our success together. Would you be interested in exploring if we could have that success with you? And here are a couple of other companies that we've had similar success with. So flip the switch in your head, product second. First is, where can you just engage your customers around what they value and where you've shown that value for other people like them? Leverage yeah. the social proof you have. So Brent, this has been incredible uh, interview because you've given so many good nuggets of information for our entrepreneurs out there. You know, I, uh, I will kind of summarize it. And it's, it's one thing that I truly believe is that uh, people don't care about your technology. They don't care about your product. They care only about what you can do for them. And that's, I think that's, you know, that's at the heart of it. And your techniques for getting to that and going through the process, super valuable. So before we wrap up, can you uh, tell the entrepreneurs out there how they can get a hold of you? Yeah. So one thing they can do, they can go to our uh, book website, www.authenticitywins.com, right? Authenticity wins. We make more money. We like our jobs more, our customers like us more. So they can go there. They can actually download a free chapter of the book, the forward and the free first chapter of the book. Uh, but they're also, you know, people can email me directly. They can connect on LinkedIn. My email is B-K-E-L-T-N-E-R, Brent Keltner, bkeltner at winalytics.com. Uh, they can email me. Uh, I'm always happy to answer questions by email and, and love sharing best practices. That's how... We've gotten good at what we do. We listen well and we answer well and we take other people's good practices. We're active learners. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you liked it, hit the subscribe button and share it with your friends. You can help us create more great content by subscribing and sharing. Also, if you want to access our online startup program, our investor network, and our entrepreneur resources, just come to founderspace.com.